Hello and welcome to the Theological Family Ministry Podcast, a podcast for parents as well as children's ministry workers to help them disciple the children in their area of influence. As always, we're hosted by myself, Pastor Anthony Tresoni, the family pastor at Westminster Baptist Church in Westminster, Maryland, as well as... Ben Palaz, the Family and Children's Discipleship Pastor at Curtis Baptist Church in Augusta, Georgia. Now, Ben, how cold is it out there today? It's uh, pretty freezing right now over here. Uh, it's pretty freezing here. Let me let's check the temperature. Uh, it says it's thirty three. It was it was in the teens this morning. So okay. Now you guys are probably worse than, used to like ninety degrees even in January, right? <laughs> well, you know, maybe seventy five. No, we. I mean, you know, we have winter down here, but not like you guys. Oh no, not even close. So we in Maryland here, we had single, we've had single digits lately. So, Ooh. yeah, been, thankfully none of that here. Yeah, yeah. So it's been uh, unpleasant, but uh, I think not as unpleasant as people that are in Clemson, South Carolina area are feeling right now, <laughs> or Norman, Oklahoma. <laughs> But I'm sure you guys have a great warmth of heart down in Georgia right now, no matter how uh, cold it might get. There, you know, I, I was I saw the first half of, of the uh, Rose Bowl and I thought, well, Georgia's not out of it, but it's not looking good. And I just thought, this this is just life for Georgia sports fans. You know, there's yep. promise of something, and then it's just right beyond reach. But they, they pulled it out. Speaking of promise of something, and then it being beyond reach, did you happen to see the Ravens game the other day? I did not. Yeah, so the Ravens went into the game looking like all they either had to win or and the other two teams that could make the playoffs could lose. So they had literally at that point, I think statistically, it was like an 87% chance of making the playoffs, and they blew it. So. <laughs> they, they managed to or snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. <laughs> exactly, they did. So. But uh, <laughs> little surprise based on the, how the Ravens have been lately, unfortunately. So, Well, the uh, one thing, you know, uh, the Ravens definitely need to look into is, is their safety next year. So and their strong safety isn't particularly a great strong point for that team. So I, with that said, I, I think it's important that we talk today about a different kind of safety. Uh, safety for children in our church, safety for children at home, home, safety for children in general, and whether that's an issue that Christians should be concerned about. So really, our discussion today is going to be about a theology of child safety, and something you might not have heard really much about. Uh, before we do discuss it, you know, it's really been fascinating to me the past couple months that uh, I've been following that there's all these Me Too scandals, and with the hashtag Me Too scandals of abuse, there's also been something where people have been posting a hashtag on Twitter and whatnot called church to in many cases people telling stories of being abused sometimes as children in church sexually abused even it, it really is something that we need to take deeply seriously uh, the so with that all being said uh, Ben do we really need to talk about things like child safety and child abuse we do and I'm really glad that you brought this up as a topic for us to discuss because uh, just we live in a Genesis 3 fallen world and it happens. I mean, I know, I know people who know who are in churches and situations where it happened. Now, thankfully, it's never happened in a place I've been, at least that I knew of. Um, but my wife was in a youth group where it happened, and then we've got a lady here at our church who, who was in a similar situation. And um, you know, my wife and I were eating dinner last year, and we asked the waitress if there was a way that we could pray for. Her. And so, 
anyway, she, her whole demeanor start, changed, and she started talking about she just started dating this guy, and she had recently become a Christian herself, uh, but her boyfriend didn't want to come to church with her because he, as a I think a ten year old, had been abused and somehow by a woman um, at a church, and I mean I, I don't blame him for not wanting to go if, yeah. if that's association, um, and so yeah, it, it is an issue. That, that needs discussion and consideration and planning and, and all kind of things like that. That's deeply sad. Yeah, it's, it's really unfortunate to hear these cases, and it can be such an obstacle for the gospel. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people don't want to talk about these kind of things. I mean, I've known Christians that will avoid talking about this kind of thing. Uh, but the reality is we have to talk about it. One of the reasons why is the world is talking about it. You know, you mentioned that openness, but I mean, further, like I mentioned to the Church Too and the Me Too movement, that uh, people aren't afraid to talk about it. I know of a church, uh, the a famous, uh, really gospel-centered church not far from us in Maryland that was in the news uh, a couple of years back and was even over some of the uh, websites that we read that were kind of chastised and driven through the mud based upon a, a sexual abuse scandal and and certainly the world attached to it and I've even known people not far from this area that have explained their disbelief based upon what happened in that church regrettably but I think uh, the further some a lot of people want to pretend that this is a problem that didn't exist in the past you know this is just kind of a modern issue and that we as the church should kind of just stick by past ways and that we'll be fine but I think with things like child abuse and child safety there is no country for old men you know uh, as a statement uh, from an old book that kind of suggests that the the, I, the day that we all allude to where everybody was safer and fine and where nothing bad happened didn't actually exist and, and so there is no country for old men uh, the uh, many times in the past, many people were abused in churches, and people didn't do anything about it. Many churches in the past, we just didn't hear about it, were destroyed by allegations of sexual abuse. Uh, and not talking about it never helped in the past. It just allows the problem to linger and allows more and more people to be abused. I mean, you think of scandals with priests and the and the Catholic Church, uh, especially the, those that were captured by the Boston Globe years ago. And I think acknowledging a disease is the first step to fighting it. Wouldn't you agree with that? Definitely. Definitely. So. Yeah. Yeah. I want analogy down there in Georgia. You guys probably fight with some roaches, right? <laughs> yes. One of the things that my, my wife is thorn in her flesh. <laughs> yeah. They kind of, they might, I think they might freeze to death not far from here. Uh, those things are pretty <laughs> resilient. Uh, but uh, with roaches, you know, you can't see a roach in the dark. That if a roach is in your kitchen, if the uh, lights are turned off, chances are you won't see uh, see them there. So you th won't will think that you don't have any roaches at all. But the dark doesn't get rid of the roaches. Turning the lights off isn't going to get rid of them. It's actually going to allow them to do their damage only by turning on the lights and revealing the that the hideous roaches in your kitchen are you going to possibly be able to solve the issue. And I think that's the same as the case with child abuse and safety concern in the church as well as among parents even. We have to turn on the lights even if it shows just how bad those roaches have torn apart things. Yeah, I mean, it's an uncomfortable topic, and then, you know, people think, oh, you're on some kind of winch, witch hunt to, to find predators and, and that kind of thing, and, and that's not the goal, but it, it's just to, to be more aware that these things do happen, and I mean, you know, you think that a couple of years ago, the thing that happened, with, uh, not in a church, but it happened 
uh, with Jerry Sandusky. He was the one of the head. Uh, he was a defensive coordinator at Penn State. He had his charity, and you know, it just it. He used that for evil, and he was he was not someone that people would suspect. And, and there was a lot that went on that was wrong and, and cover up and that kind of thing. But yeah, it's just something that that we do have to shine the light on. Absolutely. Is protecting children really a theolo- theological issue at all? Is there any theology involved in protecting children, Ben? Uh, I think so. And you know, in one of our recent episodes, we talked to Sherry, a missionary uh, who's born deaf, and she made the comment about you know we shouldn't try to protect our children from every hurt. And then essentially, we talked to David and Sally Michael recently as well, and, and they made some some comment to the, the same effect about not trying to protect our children from every kind of uh, thing, every hurt and every failure, and um, that's not good for them. Now, this, we do try to protect our children from this kind of thing, and, and um, a book that I picked up in preparation for this <clears throat> called On Guard, I don't know if you, you may have seen yeah. it. Yeah, um, Deepak so Riju, right? Yeah, um, and, and he made the comment, you know, that God has entrusted children to the care of parents, uh, to so that they could shape them and yeah. worship him, and so then parents come in and trust their kids to churches or to other people, and so what happens in in that while they're in that care, you know, we're reflecting God's character as we care for them or not, and um, and so you know the intention is not just to keep them alive, you know, but um, we're, we're trying to shape people who will bear God's image and, and to worship Him, and so when we we represent God to them in some ways. And uh, so I think that there are some, some deep issues that are on there. That's good. That's very good. Th- that, that book on guard, I think is a real excellent resource, by the way, for anyone who's listening, who has any influence on these kind of things, I strongly encourage you to read uh, on guard by defect ratio, a really great resource uh, and really healthy uh, and, and very practical. I thought, correct. Uh, yeah, I haven't read the whole thing so far. Yeah, it's very down to earth. It's not some sort of uh, you know academic manual or something. It's it's you know if you're a if the Sunday school director at your church or something like that. I mean, it's something that that just the average person can use and go, oh, you know, he does a good job at yeah. raising awareness and, and that kind of Amen. thing. So. so, and I think there are other theological issues involved too. You know, the I think there's a, just a plethora of theological concerns that play into this that affect how whether we take this seriously or not. You know, we do talk about how everything in life is theological, and that is certainly accurate, and uh, this is no exception. Uh, so, you know, I think of you have to have a theology of human worth to be able to make a child protection policy, for example. You have to understand why children are worth protecting. And I think the Bible has a great deal to say about that, why humans are worth taking care of, even in their sin, uh, even opposed to whether why we take don't take care of animals as much as we take care of humans. I think the theology... do that. No, no, unfortunately, not all <laughs> would have that perspective. I think the theology of sin, you know, the... Uh, that if you don't believe that we're sinners, you're probably not going to have much of a child protection policy, will you, then? No, that's true. I mean, and, and we're, we'll get into that in a little bit, but yeah, yeah. just sin on Zeke. 
Yeah, I think that impacts how we take this seriously, realizing that we are all sinners and that uh, we're capable of really great evil. Uh, theology of justice, likewise, you know, that God's, that God's concern for those who are weak and support of the weak and oppressed, as well as God's justice on those who hurt them and those who commit great acts of atrocity. So I think, th- I mean, there's a great deal of things that are fundamentally theological that I think should make those who are focused on theology, those the kind of people that would listen to this podcast to be utmost concerned with uh, child safety. Yeah, th- those are really good, good points. Um, and you know, I hadn't articulated it like that, and, and that it's true. I mean, there's just there's so much on the table there. Yeah. Now, uh, do you think Ben that the Bible says anything about keeping children safe? I think so. Um, now, you know, we can't find chapter and verse of, you know, nursery policies or something like that, but uh, it's, an, it's a love issue. I think it's Romans 13. Um, I didn't look it up but to, to verify, but uh, Paul talking about love does no harm to a neighbor. Yeah. Essentially, if you love your neighbor, then you're not going to steal from them, covet their, their things, and you're not going to, to abuse them. Um, and so keeping children safe is an issue of loving them and of loving the God who made them. And so, you know, we're called to protect those who are weak and vulnerable. And, you know, it's an issue of justice as well, which you just mentioned. A lot of people these days that are very interested in justice, and I think rightfully so, um, but, you know, God is a God of justice. And a lot of the justice talk is, it has to do with people, whether it's race or economic status or some sort of other identity marker. Um, but I think children fall within that, too. I mean, they are among the most vulnerable people physically, psychologically, emotionally, spiritually. And so we are to protect them and to love them and, and to mm-hmm. provide. It's it's unjust for these things to occur to them. And so um, we are honoring the Lord as we try to protect them from it. That's good. Yeah, I had a couple verses that I think really stuck to my head. Uh, with this, uh, you know, and again, n- there's nothing that really directly says, you know, there's no Bible. I mean, Hezekiah 18.4 doesn't say uh, the uh, thou shalt have two adults in every classroom with children. I think that's a good <laughs> policy to have, but that is certainly not in the Bible uh, at all. Uh, but some verses that I think stuck to my head are, are a couple Psalms. Uh, Psalm 146 verse 9 says, The Lord watches over the sojourners and upholds the widow and the fatherless. But the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. So he contrasts there. I think he upholds the widow and the fatherless, assuming fatherless children, I think, in the text. God cares for the weak children, and God is uh, strong in his justice towards those who might hurt them. Uh, and I think there's an indirect way that shows that. Uh, Psalm 32, 7, a uh, similar verse. Uh, you are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. And so this is, you know, the, I believe this is David speaking in the psalm. And, and uh, it talks about God's protection of King David. And, but I think that same protection God wants to grant to us and wants us to show that protection to others. You know, God is a protecting God. God is a good shepherd that takes care of his sheep. And we too, as churches and as parents, should take care of the little sheep that are in our presence, sometimes the littlest children. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, it is interesting to see that, you know, God's, while he, he's, when we talk about this a lot in different contexts, how God is a God of mercy and, and grace and love, but he also, um, he takes vengeance and, and, you know, he, he takes uh, offending his holiness and 
the way that we treat one another very seriously. Yeah, that's good. So, you know, we've talked about theological triage before uh, in uh, podcasts before. And uh, so I want to ask, uh, in light of that kind of stuff, and it won't directly relate to it, but what uh, that, that's talking about priorities. And what priorities should we place on protecting the vulnerable? Should it kind of be just say, uh, like just kind of something that's barely in our head, you know, we kind of loosely think about it? Or should we take it a lot more seriously than that then? I think it's, it's a high priority issue you know, making sure that the strong don't exploit the weak, um, because the strong will exploit the weak when centers are involved. And, you know, you can get into government and political conversations about that. And, you know, I I don't think there's a one right way on how that should work. But, you know, within the church setting, um, it's something that that we should be aware of. And at church, thankfully, churches are becoming more and more aware that, hey, this is something we've got to have things in place to protect our children. Um, I mean, one thing to protect themselves, but it's you know it's keeping the children safe in our care because yeah. um, there are those who would do them harm. Yeah, that's good. You know, I'm not a big leadership development type of guy by any stretch, but I've heard multiple people that are into that kind of thing talk about uh, Walt Disney and his he was big on core values and one of it's Walt Disney's top core values actually his very very top core values for all the Disney corporation that everyone was supposed to hold highest was was not uh, it was not to make sure people had the most fun possible it was not to make the greatest quality product and said his core top core value was safety it was always safety. Safety is that uh, comes before everything else, and always. So you know, even heard that he would instruct, have instructed these park employees that you know if he, they were talking to. Uh, someone trying to help them figure out where the next ride is and they overheard somebody screaming in the distance but their job they're required according to their priority values to run to the screaming person even if they seemed rude to the person that was asking for help i think he was on to something Walt disney was on to something uh, i think this should needs to be in our top tier of values in that same kind of way we are entrusted with kids by god as well as by parents you know i think that's very true that parents are trusting us to take care of our kids so safety must trump quality of experience uh, i think it's easy for us to focus far more on the quality of experience but Far before that, we need to make sure that that the kids that are in our care are ta- are taken care of and kept safe. The reality is God values the vulnerable, and he calls us to take care of them like he does. And so we need to f- prioritize that in a great deal. Uh, and our philosophy, we have a philosophy ministry at our church, uh, kind of a vision of philosophy ministry, what we really care about the most, and our children's and family ministry is written out. And... That, and we put say, child safety as one of our three main focuses in that philosophy of ministry. And I think actually the interesting thing is Walt Disney was even more onto something because I think that valuing safety enables us to better value other things. You know, if we care about safety, we're going to be more able to reach out to people. We're going to be able to better teach people. Certainly, you know, a kid with a broken leg, a kid that's child abuse is not going to be as receptive to our teaching as those that are kept safe. Uh, so those devoted to teaching the next generation should be the most committed to safety, even more than Walt Disney, right? Hey, if it's good enough for Walt Disney, it's good enough for me. <laughs> exactly. So now, um, how does human depravity impact how we keep children safe, Ben? 
Well, I think just what you said a minute ago. I mean, we recognize the presence and the power of sin. You know, some people will intentionally prey on children precisely because they are they're weak. Um, now, I was looking at the uh, that book on guard just a little bit before we were recording, and Deepak Raju was recounting the testimony before the Senate of a man, and he said that, you know, there were children, uh, he said, almost without exception, every child I've molested was lonely and longing for attention. And it just, you know, hey, I've got an easy way in. And so um, it's a power thing for a lot of them. And I don't understand all the motives. There's more than that. But uh, that's often one that I hear. And we can't be naive enough to think that it's not going to happen in our place because, you know, we, we know our people. We all love Jesus. We're good people. We shouldn't be on a witch hunt, but we just have to be realistic that this could happen. We've got to have proper protections in place um, because we have these little image bearers of God that, that we're caring for. And, uh, you know, and I don't know. You, you talked about the no country for old men. I don't know if it happens more now or not. Um, but I know that the idolization of sex that we have in our society has only hurt the vulnerable, mm-hmm. like women and children. Um, the prevalence of pornography and child pornography and violent pornography, I mean, it, it just destroys, you know, it just leaves this wake of destruction. And, and, I mean, it is more visible now that with news, 24-hour cable news networks and things like that. Um, again, I, I don't know the, the frequency, but some of the things we have swirling around in the culture, they really don't help. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I I know some uh, people that have that might claim to be Christians, even uh, an El Paso that has the belief that humans are basically good, and that uh, the people that do really really bad things it was because something was bad was happened to them. Now I think that kind of goes on an endless bunny trail of how that who did the bad things to them and why did they do that if everyone's good. But uh, nonetheless, I think that brings up something that is deeply true that that's wrong. You know, we are not basically good. That uh, sin is natural to us. Even really horrible sin is part of our, our nature since the fall. Uh, and we that is so it is common and and kind of natural to do the wicked and depraved uh, things. You know, it might not all be that kind of severe things of child abuse uh, for most, and we certainly hope, and by God's common grace, the vast, vast majority will never do something like child abuse. But we have to know, because of the evilness and wickedness of sin, everyone has the potential of doing something that awful. Everyone apart from Jesus has the potential for that. You know, even the most trustworthy Christian, that somebody who is devoutly in Christ, and some child abusers really have been Christian. So they have a really powerful darkness, a sin struggle within that can overcome, and can overcome in a way that causes people a great deal of pain. And this, you know, I don't want to come across that I'm not telling uh, everyone, don't trust anyone. <laughs> uh, we, you know, we're not, we're not called to distrust people or assume the worst. Assume that, you know, if uh, somebody wants to volunteer for a children's ministry, that they're going to uh, murder every single person that they ever encounter. Uh, that's probably not going to happen. But instead, we have to make policies that realize what we are capable of. And I think at the same time, the flip side of that coin is understanding sin means we realize that we have to, we have to realize that we have the potential uh, and I'm sorry, that means that we have to realize our kids contain evil within themselves as well, contain sins. 
within, and they have a potential to destroy people with that sin. So just as that we have to understand from our sinful nature that somebody can hurt a child very, very badly in their sin, we have to have policies that recognize that, you know, a child is capable of making a false accusation against someone as well because our child are sinners, children are sinners. So we have to really take safety and take accountability incredibly seriously. A human depravity then is is the reason why we have to have so many rules that we have, you know. I mean, I think understanding human depravity is why we have to have two adult policies. Because knowing that uh, our, that each person has the potential of doing something really bad or a child has the potential of really hurting somebody very badly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that's really, really helpful points. Now, how does a church demonstrate the importance of child safety and its procedures and policies? First of all, I think by just having something, there are places where it really there's not as as long as there there's somebody in there, you know, <laughs> uh, you know. Yeah. So I think having some measure of protection, um, I think you know, having waiting periods to serve is helpful. Again, you know, we're not drawing these things straight out of the Bible. It's just no. um, collected wisdom from people. But I know our church has a, a policy of uh, you have to be a member for six months. That's good. Because uh, often, it, you know, if people are looking to pray, they, they're not going to wait around. And it, requiring membership um, and in good standing, I mean, you're not going to let someone under church discipline uh, come in. But you've mentioned the two, two adult uh, policy. I think doing background checks is also good. Um, and telling people, I mean, you have to get their consent to do it. Uh, and so you're letting them know up front. Inter- now, this is something that I... Um, I, I need to improve on, but you know, interviewing people and uh, getting a sense of, of their story it helps you pastor them, but yeah. also, um, you know, it, it's just helping to guard the sheep pen, uh, and then training and retraining and reminding workers uh, of the policies. Sometimes there's a conference or a workshop that might be uh, helpful, and, and then just using material that's been produced by somebody else. Sometimes they, go, oh, hey, you know, look as an expert. And, uh, and often it's just well done. And these people, they, they are experts. And so, you know, um, making use of those things out there yeah. for people who serve the, the wider church. Like on guard. So. Yeah, yeah. Example of that. So, uh, the, from, you know, you got very specific and then nitty gritty with that. And I think that's really helpful. And I'm, I'm going to be a little more vague. Uh, <laughs> for me, this means that we need to spell things out. Uh, we, that even if I'm going to be vague and give the vague definition that we need to spell things out, do things like Ben suggested. We need to spell uh, things out, specific policies in our policy manuals, even if they seem unnecessary and tedious to some. And there will be some that find, you know, that, uh, well, you know, I never had to have this when I was asked to watch my grandkids. But we have to persist nonetheless. Uh, we need to be willing to make policies that might seem even inconvenient, but that do protect kids. You know, I do think of that two adult policy. You know, I think of uh, even policies like like we have a policy that only women are able to change diapers or take children to the bathroom, and we do that because statistics show that uh, I think 80% of those who abuse children, uh, boys or girls are men. And we don't think that our men are going to abuse people, but we 
know that people are watching. And we know that when a visitor comes in, a visitor is going to be leery when they see that man, a man uh, changing their child's diaper. And so we're going to have policies that, yeah, that's inconvenient. If uh, the if a woman's in the room and the man is, and uh, she's busy uh, dealing with a crying baby, it's easy for that help the man uh, change the diaper. But we, we have to be mindful of that, even if it's inconvenient. We need to explain why child safety is important, not just what not to do. Like you said, having those times of training, uh, referring to books, not just make child safety an issue of don't do this, don't do this, don't do that, but make a vision an important element of it. That's helpful too, because it can, it can, when you frame it that way, and, and we probably have done that too much here, um, uh, the, the list of don'ts, so the law, but when you help frame it more positively, people are like, oh, okay, yeah, we didn't do this, you know, back, back in the day, but I can see why that's a that's a good idea, you know, or why we should at least, you know, whether I agree with that specific policy or not, the overall intention is, is for, you know, protecting the kids. And so is following these procedures a service to God or is it just technically technicalities that matter little, especially, you know, I think this is relevant for the volunteer that's never going to be in a position like you or I are in. That is it just kind of some tedious technicality that you just have to get over with and or just even ignore? Or is it something that legitimately is service to God? Uh, I think it is. It is actually a way of serving God, of honoring him. Talked about the, the inconvenience factor. Sometimes it is inconvenient. You know, man, uh, you know, this is it's headache having to consider these things and then make sure this is happening and thinking through this is maybe go man we need to tighten the belt on something you know tighten down on some things where we got a little lax um because it is it's a way to to bring glory to god as we care for those little image bearers and you know i mean it's sort of like inspecting a bridge regularly or, or holding up a making sure that a wall is is good um because of the potential uh fallout from it you know, sometimes following these themes can seem annoying and inconvenient. I, I'm going to fully acknowledge that. The And I think it's important for us to do that, that there are some of these policies it's easy to not understand. Uh, the You know, it's not things. We require things in our church that we would by no stretch require for people that would watch our kids, you know. And uh, it would be silly for uh, for us, Ben and I, to uh, require background checks for to have friends watch uh, kids. But we have to go through these uh, these hoops when it, uh, the church is involved. It's just a reality. Sometimes following things can seem this way, but we do serve God by will being willing to be inconvenienced. Even if it's being willing to be inconvenienced in a way that you're not when you're watching your grandkids. Uh, we trust God then by following those in authority even when we don't understand. You know, again, you might not, you might be listening to this podcast and say, you know, I don't like the policy, I don't get it, I think this is a dumb policy. And maybe you're right, maybe it is a dumb policy, but God has called you to to follow those who are in leadership and those who are in a spiritual authority, even when you don't understand, and show respect for that. For those who, you know, will say, I'm not going to fight this policy, but I think it's silly and I'm just ignore it, uh, this disregard can, uh, and I think, show a real character issue. It can show that our word, uh, word to mean nothing. If we say, oh, yeah, I'm fully behind the policy, but don't really care to follow through on it, I think that that speaks to our personal character. Yeah, and I mean, it speaks to issues of authority, like, you know, or submission to authority. Um, I mean, we may not like every law in the, the state or 
federal books, but I mean, we're still bound to keep them. I mean, and just like the people that whoever they don't like, whoever the elected official is, and well, that's not my president or that's not my governor. Like, well, yeah, yeah, it doesn't matter if you voted for him or not. Uh, yeah. And so I think it speaks to an unwillingness to submit to authority that God has given us. How was child safety in church a witness to the loss, or is it witness to the loss at all, Ben? I think so. I mean, I, they can see that we take the safety of our children and of theirs seriously, and it shows love to them. You know, we're talking about showing love to the, um, for God, love for the children. It shows love and uh, in, in that we're, we're thinking about this and uh, taking steps to protect. And it, it's often said that people are concerned about how their kids are treated and taken care of when they go to a church, um, that and their money. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah. But, you know, there are issues of integrity there. If they think that the church is mishandling finances, yeah. um, you know, that raises eyebrows. And so, um, you mean that I think visitors it, might be concerned about the new gold teeth I've been getting? <laughs> yeah, that, that private jet, you know. Hmm. Um, but w- when, when people see that, I, I think it does speak, whether they believe fully um, or, or not, they, they recognize, okay, this is a priority. And, and it models God's character. Uh, mm-hmm. Jesus cared a great deal for children in a society that was not, uh, you know, the, the apostles are like, no, 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 Jesus doesn't have time for these yeah. kids. And, and then Jesus takes them up in his lap, touches them, um, and, and shows affection. Um, and God, I mean, you, you mentioned that Psalm, or I think it was Psalm 146. I mean, God is a protector of the weak. And because of that, we should be too. Yeah, that's good. I'll just say very briefly, uh, while I don't think that uh, child protection policy is uh, the gospel message by any stretch, uh, I think that there's no question that people have been won to the Lord partly through child protection policies that churches took very seriously. That, you know, I've known of people that that have visited churches where the gospel is proclaimed clearly, and then uh, they saw that these people care about my kids through having policies that might go out of the way and might be uncomfortable to some of the volunteers, but uh, were really caring for the kids, and that helped bridge the gap so that they were able to really understand the gospel and see uh, the beauty of how these people are different. And I think there's no question that having a safe environment for kids helps us reach their parents as well as the children. Uh, Mm. Now, how do we have these important church conversations about child safety? Should we just kind of maybe, I don't know, take a stapler and uh, staple our child protection policies onto people's foreheads? (laughs) That might get their attention. Um, I think you do have to, to raise awareness. And with a lot of things, you have to communicate it again and again. Um, but, having meetings about it, having training sessions, videos can be helpful. And, and like I was talking about earlier, earlier, letting experts talk. Um, and it may require some personal conversations with individuals, but having those kinds of things and, and letting people hear um, stories of, of people that this has happened to um, and those kinds of things. Because, I mean, I've encountered that uh, both in leadership and just as someone who was working in a children's ministry, volunteering, um you know, people kind of like, well, you know, we didn't do it like that when when I was younger, and um, why, why can't I come back there and you know hold the babies or something, and um, you know just not not getting it, and so uh, sometimes you do have to step in and, and, and speak like that, yeah. but I think just just making it a, a um, let people know this is a big priority yeah. and, and the vision behind it, um, but yeah, you you have to do something. 
Well, if you don't do that, you need to do something. That's uh, the uh, that, that's that's great. I think we need to raise awareness. We have to do something. I'll say that we need to create a culture that more than just singing great songs about uh, child protection policies, we need to be willing to be un- uh, create a culture where we're able to be uncomfortable for the sake of helping people. And mm-hmm. even the uh, culture, where even the average member is thinking about child safety. You know, and I want to encourage anyone who's listening to this church that uh, it might be, you know, a member of a church, might be just joining a church, uh, might be perhaps even you're not really able to serve in children's ministry or something else, uh, health reasons or anything like that. You can be part of that culture. You can echo concerns to care for the kids that are in your congregation. Yeah, that's the, just the, the, it's not just within your your area of ministry but um that's great just yeah. having everybody thinking about it now how do child care workers and volunteers practice a high view of child safety seeing this as a service to god and, and like you were talking about you know cast uh, putting forward a vision for this uh and not just doing the not gonna do it um you know see this as service to god and his love for the children and i, I mean I, i've talked a lot about love in this because i think it is a, a love issue um, and, and trying to see things through that grid. And, and, you know, most of the people who serve are there because they love the Lord and because they love children. Yeah. Uh, and, and just bringing that back to their mind and, and using that as a way to encourage them. And, hey, you know, this is why why we're we're doing this. Um, and so, so the practical outworking of that, whether they fully agree or not or fully see it, it helps put things in perspective. Yeah. I... I think it's important that all child care workers and volunteers uh, need to make themselves aware of uh, signs and symptoms of child abuse as a very, very practical step, you know. And in this, actually, this is, I'm, I'm encouraging people to look to stuff from their government, not just <laughs> the Bible on this. You know, uh, almost every state government has a really great uh, list, if you look very hard, of signs and symptoms of child abuse. And uh, it's something I think is incredibly helpful for every child care volunteer to read their states, that their state's signs and symptoms of child abuse online. Almost all of them can be easily found online. Uh, and alongside those great and helpful resources that almost every U.S. state has created, uh, be will, uh, follow the policies that exist in your church uh, you know, and encourage others to do so. You know, when you around the church water cooler and you hear, uh, there's this new policy, but, you know, it doesn't really apply to me. I've served uh, for 38 years in the children's ministry, and therefore this isn't, uh, this isn't for me. Encourage them. You know, this is a service of the Lord, and we have to be faithful in this. Yeah. No, that, that, those are good tips. So uh, how can parents value safety and protection of their own children is this kind of just a church thing and that parents don't need to really care about this kind of stuff then <laughs> some don't um but no i think just being mindful of where and with whom you leave them and i think it seems just from things i hear that our generation of parents is more tuned into that kind of thing some of it's from news and, and internet and exposure and those those kinds of elements that are at play. Um, but it's remembering that it's a stewardship. Uh, God has given us a stewardship of human souls, of, of people who bear his image. And, um, you know, read some, talk to people, and, and don't just think, well, it won't happen to us. Because, uh, I mean, a high percentage of, of children who um, 
when some sort of abuse takes place, it's not strangers. Yeah. It's actually people that they know. Oh, um, and, and they're not all these, you know, middle-aged, overweight, single guys who haven't showered or shaved in a couple of days, and you can, you know, pick them out. Um, they're not always, it's just not always obvious um, from, from the, you know, lots of research that's been done. And so, I mean, it, but ultimately, you, you've got to trust the Lord with that. I mean, God, God can take care of your children. Yeah. One very practical resource I want to encourage. You know, Ben talked about a really good resource earlier. Um, a really great little book for parents, especially with preschool-age children, I strongly encourage you to get is God Made All of Me by Justin Holcomb. Uh, I think we'll be give, making it a recommended resource uh, sometime this year at Westminster Baptist Church. I think it's a really helpful little book ab- about the human body and about the need to keep, protect it and, the, and privacy and the importance of that to help a child understand, you know, what are things that other people can't have access to? What are things that they are allowed to keep safe and things like even uh, it talks about even how we're not supposed to keep secrets uh, with adults like that and I think that's a hugely helpful thing that's going to educate your child and keep your child away in a way that's not going to freak them out Uh, I think another very great way and I think it's honoring of an understanding God's creation is talk to your kids about body privacy using objective terms even at a young age uh, even some some state studies show that uh, children that uh, children that uh, are confused on proper understanding of their genitals, for example, and uh, even on the pre- proper medical terminology, are uh, more likely to be confused about child abuse. There's even evidences that show that children that uh, children that use proper medical terms can actually deter by that, just by that alone, deter child abusers from hurting them. The, and I think also make sure that they know that they can talk to you and they don't ever have to show affection to someone, you know. The, if somebody, a really sweet, uh, that uh, old old man in the church uh, is uh, insisting that, uh, you know, they if they give them a candy, they have to give them a kiss or a hug or whatever. The kids need, our kids need to know they don't have to do that. Even mm-hmm. if you're a pastor and you feel that you have to meet those expectations, you, their kids need to understand that reality, that they don't have to ever show affection. They don't even have to show affection to you. Affection is a, as a as a private thing, and they can never be forced. It can never be forced upon them because God respects their pri- body and their privacy. Uh, and then I think insist on thorough safety policies wherever your children are. Uh, and I think for some, if you go to a church that uh, the that shows no concern, maybe this is something you need to talk to your senior pastor about. Maybe it's something you need to talk to your that church leadership about, or perhaps rethink some things for yourself. Uh, you know, make sure that you go that your children are in a school system that really cares about child safety and doesn't disregard it. Make sure that and wherever they're taken care of, that that their safety is not dismissed but taken seriously. If the church, churches don't take children's safety seriously, you should not go to that church, you know. That's a good point. I mean, uh, yeah, because you can't, <laughs> you can't undo that. We've talked about child safety. So, Ben, do you think we should all become these helicopter parents that watch over everything that our kids do with a uh, that uh, with great detail and make sure that our kids, you know, never never get with that get further than a foot away from us? <laughs> No, you know, but I, there is certainly the temptation just 
the more you become aware of things like this and you're like, man, there are molesters and perverts out there. <laughs> and, uh, and I mean, you know, both of us are the fathers of two daughters yeah. and, um, and, and knowing too, that the prevalence of pornography and I don't see that turning around. No. Sometimes. And you know, you, you just, you know what's out there, or at least you get a hint of what's out there. And, um, so there is that temptation, but we have to remember that God loves our kids more than we do. Um, he's able to protect them far better uh-huh. with his power and his wisdom, his knowledge, his goodness, you know, better than we can. And so, I mean, really, we can be showing pride and arrogance if we think that we can protect them from everything. Uh-huh. And and we shouldn't. But this is an area that we ought to take a lot of effort to to protect them from. Um, and some of it's just wisdom, like who, who they're around. And if, if there's, you know, you, you talked about signs and symptoms of child abuse and then there's other things there's resources out there from state and and federal agencies um and and other research that talks about things warning signs things to watch out for people um but again it's not like everybody who's a predator fits a certain profile um and so um you know i'm i'm careful with who i leave my my children with And and there's people that we know that you know, my wife and I have both said, like, man, we're not really comfortable if, you know, if that person's around, you know, leaving the kids, that's just not something we're going to do. Um, and so, but we, we just, we seek to live wisely and trust the Lord. Ultimately, we, we can't do it all. No, no, we can't. Um, yeah, we, we don't always have to be afraid. It can be easy to see all these things and get scared out of the wazoo. I mean, if you go on... Uh, child pred- uh, that uh, sex sexual predator registry, sex offender registry. You know, it can be easy to get terrified that a uh, sex offender lives three blocks away or something like that. And we mm. need to keep our kids safe from that. But the answer to our fear is trusting God and loving, uh, loving one another. Our God is big enough and good enough to keep our kids safe. And further, our God is big enough and amazing enough that even if the tragedy and the disaster of our child being abused by someone is to happen, God can still care for them. God can bring about justice, and God can work even in that tragedy for that child. And I think that's an incredibly important uh, reality to understand. Um, the uh, so and I think that helps us trust our God. It it doesn't tell us nothing bad's ever going to happen, but it tells us that our God is bigger than that bad that might happen. Um, mm-hmm. and, but at the same time, we need to be smart and we need to communicate. So it's not. I don't. Th- I hope this is not seen as take your kids away from everything, but it's more about communicating with kids and making wise decision about who we entrust our children to. Yeah. Now, last question, Ben. Uh, how can parents teach their children the dangers of child abuse without terrifying them? And this is something we mostly touched on, but I just if you have any elaborations, it would be helpful. You actually, I mean, you hit on a lot of the things I was thinking about. Again, I, I go back to love, but you're talking about the, the, the private areas or places that we protect, we cover up, and then those are not something that, um, that other people, these areas are not places that other people need access to um they're not loving you if they do that and so um you know talking about that and and you know that's this thing with um forcing them to show affection that's something that we've also 
uh, practice. My wife did some reading, good bit of reading about some things. And so we decided, you know, if um, we're not going to make our kids give hugs and kisses to, to people, um, you know, um, we will maybe hear, how about a handshake or a high five or a hello, you know, things like that. Um, but showing kids what love looks like, what it doesn't look like, and, and the thing about using clinical terms, um, you know, that, um, it, that, that, from what I have read is, is helpful because, you know, if, again, thankfully I have not had to deal with this firsthand, but the reading that I've done, um, people who are, who are looking to prey on, on the weak and on children, they're not looking for a challenge and a fight. No. And so if you have a kid saying, no, stop touching my penis. And he says that out loud, you know, whoa, whoa, no, 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 you know, and you know, they want to use some sort of euphemistic term and things like that. Um, you know, just confronting them that way. Um, they're not looking for that. And so, um, I think it, like you said, the confusion that, that, that not doing that can create uh, could be harmful. Uh, but I, I don't think I have anything too great to add yeah. to you know, what you said. But um, just the, really the love issue. That's really good. Uh, I, I kind of, two points that, um, that I think are necessary to say together. I, I think that we tell our children, and we're, we need to teach our children that most adults and other children legitimately don't want to hurt them. Uh, the you know we are sinners, but that doesn't mean that most adults are seeking to abuse a child. That doesn't mean that most other children want to uh, find ways to sexually abuse a child or physically abuse a child. But at the same time, we have to teach them that some people might. It's possible. They need to understand that. And that, uh, and they need to know who they can talk to, and you, as well as other safety people. You know, uh, that aunts and uncles, grandparents, maybe pastors in the church. Um, and I think children, in a very practical step, one thing that we that uh, we have encouraged our children to, and I we've been we've read a great deal and seen how important it is, is that uh, children should know that they uh, when it, an adult tells them something a secret that something is not to be told to other people, they need to tell you right away. And they need to understand that. Because that is one key area where people might uh, utilize to hurt children, utilize to protect themselves from the necessary justice that, that should come down upon them. And mm -hmm. before we do close our podcast, you know, you might be listening to this episode and think that, man, Ben and Tony are really cold. And uh, Ben and Tony uh, they are just about safety and don't really care about the people that uh, might do these kind of horrible things. And we do. And may, if you're listening to this episode and you've done something like this in your past, we want to tell you that God loves you. He does. And Jesus died for even people that do that, that kind of thing, just as he died for my sins, uh, as I trust in him. If that is the case, uh, you that just, just as with everyone else, we, I want to encourage you to value a child's safety, even if it's especially uncomfortable for you and means having especially hard conversations with your church and with law enforcement. That uh, That is how you're called to love people. And God is grateful when you are willing to overcome yourself to do that. Well, we've had more of a sober episode than normal, wouldn't you say, Ben? Certainly so. 
Yes. Uh, so with that, though, we want to thank you for listening to the Theological Family Ministry Podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode. As always, you can listen to us on Stitcher, SoundCloud. Uh, you can listen to us on YouTube. You can download us on iTunes and Spreaker as well. Spreaker, which is kind of a funny name, I think. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we, we encourage you to like our episodes as well as listen. Uh, we're posted every first and third Thursday of the month. And uh, we also encourage you to share them on social media so that we can encourage more people and so that these helpful resources are able to brought to brought to more. And again, we hope that you're blessed and we hope that you're strengthened in the Lord this week. Amen.